Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Small Worlds Podcast. My name is Corey O'Flanagan. And I am Leanne Davidson. There she is. This episode is brought to you by Drift Car Sharing. Traveling can be hard. You know, your flights can get delayed, your food can get expensive, you have late nights, early mornings, you lose all your technology. Why do all the flights happen at 6 a.m.? What's with this? It's a weird morning. It's like a new like fan. But why add the nuisance of a high airport parking pass and coming back to a dirty car to that list? Why even why come back and take a bus back home? Because Drift Car Sharing offers free airport parking and a free hand car wash inside and out. Hand car wash. Inside and out when you, you share your car with incoming travelers while you're away. Every trip on Drift is protected by a specially designed insurance product from Allstate Insurance so you can travel with that peace of mind. Check them out in Denver and Salt Lake City and learn more at drivedrift.com. D-R-I-V-E-D-R-I-F-T dot So today we are speaking with Josh Bender. Josh is from Australia and he has been traveling since 2012. He's been all over the place and supporting this ongoing adventure with his website and travel blog, Travel with Bender. So without further ado, introducing Josh. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Leah. It's great to be here, virtually. Yeah, glad to have you on. Um, so Josh, how did you get your start? Was it something you set out to do or was it something you kind of fell into whilst you were traveling? Uh, very good question. Uh, when I thought of the idea of perpetual travel, the concept first came across to me in a book um, that had nothing to do really about traveling. It was um, more about finances and things like that. And uh, I liked the idea and I didn't know a lot of other people really who did it. Um, so that kind of idea stuck with me and it took a few years to come to fruition. Um, but eventually, I think uh, I had a sort of a penny-dropping moment when I realized I was on holiday in Southeast Asia and it was costing me less to live in a hotel, getting my room cleaned every day and all the rest of that, rather than living back in Perth, Australia. So, um, of course. <laughs> so, Australia is infamously expensive. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was kind of the starting point of realizing that, hey, I can travel. And at the time, I was running a web design business, so I could take it wherever I went. And um, mm-hmm. And then started traveling, and then after the first couple places, bumped into other people who were doing similar things, and I realized, wow, there's two people in the world doing this sort of thing. I hadn't read any, <laughs> hadn't read any travel blogs, hadn't um, done much research on it, just had the crazy idea and didn't want to, uh, you know, wait until I was 60 and then re- regret not doing it when I was younger. So, yeah. Exactly, just, preach to that. Yeah. And I guess my, back in... My, probably my fault, not, not, not doing the research beforehand, so I don't recommend that to most people nowadays, I say. As I look up where you go and know what you're doing. Yeah, it's a bit easier to get it now, hey? Yeah. Um, and I guess in 2012, you there wasn't like an awful lot of travel bloggers around, right? That Correct. was like kind yeah. of the, the jump start to it. Yeah, there's only a handful of them uh, that were kind of serious. Some of them part-time, uh, very few of them full-time. Okay. And um, comparing then and now, how is it? this developed over time with technology and with the fact that it's becoming more popular? Is it more competitive? Um, do you notice any differences? Yeah, very much. There's a lot of differences. Um, probably the best thing is that internet infrastructure around the world has gotten a lot better. Um, I was started off in Indonesia and had a lot of troubles at that time with internet speeds. I just went fast enough to make voice calls uh, so I could talk to clients over the internet. 
and calls often drop out. And there was one point where I got so desperate, I basically worked from a donut shop for six hours a day because um, I had <laughs> in, in the area I was staying in. And so I'd sit there and have to eat something just to allow them to leave me there. And um, yeah. probably, probably wasn't so good for the waistline, but yeah, that went <laughs> I was going to say, did you pack on the pounds? <laughs> yeah. But I realized that that was going to be my biggest challenge in the early years. And nowadays it's much, much easier. It's very rarely do I go anywhere that there's not a decent internet connection. Yeah. Welcome to India, where the decent internet connection is far and few between. <laughs> <laughs> Not explain why I haven't been to India yet. Um, but yeah. yeah, nowadays, back then it was very novel. It was people raise their eyebrows going, what the heck is a travel blogger? Um, hotels, tourism boards all found it quite interesting and new. Uh, whereas nowadays it's a very, very different environment, much more competitive. Um, I think to a degree... People who've been selling courses about how to become a travel uh, a travel blogger and you know live the lifestyle you want um, has created a environment where people feel entitled that once they got you know a thousand followers that they just want free hotel stays and things like that. So for the bloggers who've been doing it for a long time, they've got a legitimate business, they've got a large following. It's harder for them to stand out of the noise because places like hotels just go not not interested in in influencers and in bloggers anymore because you know. The beginner ones have, I wouldn't say ruined it for everyone, but they've certainly made it a much more uh, challenging environment, for sure. Yeah. I've got a question that just popped into my head just kind of randomly. Are your taxes just messy? Or are you, paying, <laughs> are you just paying an honest? Say, say that again? Am I in Texas? No, are your taxes, when you pay your annual taxes, where, is that a messy situation because you're jumping all over the globe? Oh, okay. Uh, well, um, that's a very good question. Um, if you're not paying any, we can't edit this out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it depends on where someone's from in terms of how their tax structure is most efficient. Um, in my case, I'm not an Australian resident, so uh, only Australian residents need to worry about that sort of issue. Yeah. But, like, for example, if you're from the United States, it doesn't matter if you're not a resident, the fact that you're born there, they want to own your soul for the rest of eternity. Um, but in my case, I have a company <laughs> which is not based in Australia, so uh, therefore it's not under Australia's jurisdiction. Okay. Um, what are you? What country are you a resident of? I'm curious. Uh, I'll answer that one after the podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Elusive. I like it. <laughs> international man of mystery. Yeah, man of mystery. There we go. <laughs> the, um, the, um, one of the things that we were, how we stumbled into doing the doing the podcast in the first place was as we started researching for this most recent trip of ours, um, there's just, you know, unbelievable amounts of content out there. I've been reading your blog for a couple of years now, just kind of following it and getting different ideas on places that I've gone to just because you've been to so many. But um I was just like laying there one night just wondering, is there an audible way? I've just fallen in love with podcasts over the last few years and just kind of stumbled across that. And so we kind of thought that this would be a cool medium for your following to get a different side of you um, and kind of get to know the man behind the pen. And uh, so I would say take us into a day in the life of Josh Fender. A day in the life of a travel blogger. Yeah, well, that's a very good question. There's not a lot of typical days that are just 
exactly the same. Um, I guess that's one of the benefits and the, the beauties of it, um, but it really varies. So, for example, today, having a chat to you lovely people um, and sitting up in an apartment in Thailand, very comfortable, very low-key, low um, very easy going, doing a lot of work on the laptop because <clears throat> uh, there's only so many day trips and things like that that you can do before a backlog starts to get created. Um, so I tend to, I guess, could break things into two types of days. One is what I would call the work day, where a large chunk of that is spent on the laptop, either writing, editing photos, um, emails, communication, just running a business as, as, as that uh, happens, uh, or travel days where I go out to do, um, <clears throat> say, say if I'm on a road trip or a cruise or um, Maybe if I'm staying in, in one city for a month, perhaps, but it's still spend a large part of the day sightseeing, um, collecting content, taking photos. Yeah. So it's kind of in one of two modes, I'll call it travel mode or work mode, but they both really work if, uh, if, if it comes down to it. So, yeah, that, a, a typical day could vary. So it really depends on which of those two modes. If it's a travel day, uh, sometimes it starts with breakfast, not all the time, but <laughs> hopefully. If it's, if it's included in the hotel price. <laughs> um, and then often hit the ground running well before nine o'clock um, and it could be going out sightseeing all day going to a couple of restaurants um, and then some days it might not finish until 10 o'clock at night so it can be quite a long day and when you do it back to back for a week at a time or two weeks at a time uh, it certainly takes uh, a bit of a toll on the body so I tend to find that one to two weeks of what I call fast-paced travel um, needs maybe about three to four weeks of slow-paced um, travel or downtime to balance it up. Otherwise, it's very easy to get burnt out in this kind of field, and a lot of people do. They do it for a couple of years, and they go, oh, it's too hard, can't keep up with it, because they're just trying to run too fast. And the world's yeah. a good place, and there's, there's a bit of a, an addiction to it almost that's easy to, to, to latch on to, that you just want to see one more thing, one more site, one more whatever it might be, and, um, and then before you know it, your energy depletes, mental health depletes. And the body's just not designed for go, go, going all the time, especially when there is no nine to five work uh, day. There's no you know clock to watch. There's no one to tell you what to do. Um, yeah. It's easy no to limit. You keep going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have to be kind of fairly mindful yeah. of that to ensure that I don't um, develop bad habits. So, yeah, I'm trying. It's always, a, always an effort to keep on trying to rebalance <laughs> and reevaluate and seeing how am I going here? Can I improve here? Um, of course. Yeah. 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 No, I can really relate to that. I think that we've, our, you know, our last week or so has just been a complete whirlwind just due to some visa and pollution issues in India. And um, we've decided just to kind of rearrange our what our planned schedule was and just get down to Goa. And we're just going to make a home base down there for a few weeks and just kind of do what you said, go into that more slower travel pace because we feel like it's been a whirlwind for the last two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. If it had, all this travel happens so quickly, it's really hard to absorb it and take it in. It's like yeah. your body and mind can be a sponge so far and then it has to let go and release and, and process. So, yeah, I like the downtimes to really process and think about what I've done and and I also take a closer look at some of the pictures because some of the pictures um, I spent a second or two looking at something and then I come back and, and really sort of mull on it and think about yeah. what it was thinking of it. And, um, other times I would read up on a place much more in depth before going there, so it really depends. Um, but the, the challenge is when there's a lot of travel back to back, it's really hard to always stay on top of 
getting a, a big, a decent background of where you're going before you get there. Um, I've done it. Some, I've done it sometimes where I'm terrible at not really understanding and researching the place enough, and being completely taken by surprise. Usually a pleasant surprise, but it's not something I recommend doing um, for sure. I, I think that kind of leads us into the next question here, which I think that this happens a lot to people in your field because travel is vacation for most people. Um, so they look at somebody who does this as a career, um, probably through a certain filter. So I'm trying to think of um, if you can think of any misconceptions that people might have of you and your life. And um, do people just think you have a ton of money and travel or think that it's all play and no work? Yeah, yeah. That's the, actually just happened this week again. Um, someone asked me how, how rich am I because I get to travel. And I said, <laughs> that happens to me all the time. <laughs> Not quite. No, I didn't win Lotto, and no, I haven't uh, got money. I said, if anything, it's cheaper doing this than living in Australia. So they, their eyes kind of widened, and I said, well, how much yeah. do you, you know, spend on you know, your car and insurances and all these other things that um, exactly in your day-to-day life in the Western country? And um, when you peel some of those things back that you don't really need, then what you actually do need to live and be healthy isn't really all that much. So even more so when you're Exactly. I think I think I think social media's become a big thing for this as well because people see that the they see the highlight reel. I call Instagram the highlight reel. And they don't see yeah. like the days where you're spent stressing about work or I've done working holiday visas. So they haven't seen like the the couple of months where I've worked seventy hours a week. That's true. It's been the highlight reel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's an interesting um, point about our society in general is that it definitely, there's always been an element of showing your best face um, to keep up with the Joneses and that sort of thing. But I think the pressure is even more so with social media. And I very much try to resist that. I try to uh, avoid where possible putting myself in in the center of the spotlight. Um, I try to let the destination do the talking, let the faces speak for themselves rather than making it all about me and all about my ego and how wonderful I am. So yeah. it's, it's more so about connecting people with ideas, with places, because at the end of the day, the travel to me is not the, the goal. It's basically an a entry, entry uh, into a more meaningful way of thinking and living. It's a gateway drug, for lack of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For myself, getting outside of the bubble I grew up in, and looking at it more objectively, I was able to see the world for really what it was, not this kind of, you know, cotton wool version of, of, of life. And, um, and so I found it immensely important, immensely valuable for personal growth. Um, it's not the only path, but it's a very easy path by comparison because it literally forces you out of your comfort zone. It literally forces you to live out of a suitcase. So you've got to really think long and hard about what material objects are important. And that okay. just sort of is a bit of a chain reaction, which really makes someone reevaluate themselves, reevaluate their place in the world. I wouldn't recommend most people going for years at a time. It's not the, the type of thing for the average person. But mm-hmm. um, just going for a few weeks at a time gets someone outside of their, the bubble that they live in, and it helps them to see their place in the world, to ask questions about the things they just take for granted. Why do I do certain things? Why does my culture tell me to do certain things? Why are these social expectations there? And realize that there are other people with other ways of living that are just as valid, if not maybe even more uh, beneficial. Could be healthier. Could be, you know, the things that we just go, oh, well, that's just the way it is. It, it sort of starts uh, unraveling this sort of thread, and, and when we keep pulling on it, 
naturally out of curiosity, then um, I think it leads us to become better people, more kinder, more accepting. Um, mm-hmm. And then that was happening. What, what really for me was that it sort of started when I went to Indonesia and I, I watched the, the people there, how they worked, how they related to each other. And at the time I was working 60 to 80 hours a week running my own business, very, you know, go, 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 um, as you know, you're encouraged to do in, in Western culture. And I saw these people sitting around just chatting to each other a whole lot. And the thought in the back of my mind was well, if they just worked harder, if they just put more effort in, if they, you know, did these sort of things, then they'll have more money and then they'll be more comfortable in life and, you know, their life will be better. But after a while of living there and watching them on a regular basis, I realized it was backwards. I was the one who needed to learn from them, that they knew what was really yeah. valuable in life, that they knew how to spend their time in, in a balanced, kind of healthy way. And, um, yeah. and that sort of inspired me to sort of, keep following that line of thinking. So what can I learn and glean from each location and each people group that I interact with? And I think it's the process has made me a, a better person, at least I like to hope, hope, hope it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's so many, there's so many ways in, um, in travel life that you could adapt to real life. You know, it's like you're saying, uh, I find most people in Western culture who don't find time for their family as much as, they, say, someone does from an, a different culture. Absolutely. Um, and it's just different things that you learn and traveling, like when you travel and something goes wrong, uh, that kind of pressure. It's all things that you can apply to everyday life and how to become better in your, I want to put in quotation marks, normal life. Yeah. Um, but back, back to your normal routine, you know? Exactly. Um, and is it these kind of things, is it those that you get the ideas for your blogs or is, you know, is there something else that happens that gives you your ideas for the blog? Yeah, good question. I uh, started off with a couple articles like that, um, but didn't continue with them. Uh, I found the content that tend to perform better was more tip orientated. So the early, the first two years of the, of the travel blog was mainly a hobby, and it uh, wasn't really done from a commercial perspective. I had my web design business at the time, but um, after I sold that, um, I decide on what I wanted to spend most of my time on. And I, I enjoyed the, the process and the, and, and the photography in particular with travel blogging um, and the writing and, and the exploration. So I decided to put all my time and energy and experience into that. And then from that point, the, the blog really started growing. Um, yeah. So I, I think now at the moment, I tend to focus still more so at that beginner level of the journey, which is like how to even get out the door. Because for some people, that's a big struggle. Um, and I can't, I can't blame them going to the other side of the world, to a foreign country where they don't know anyone, don't know the, anything. Uh, having a really good plan is uh, essential. So, for example, one of my most recent articles was a Scotland road trip and having a good plan of where to go, where to eat, where to stay, how long does it take to get to each place, these sort of things. Um, it helps people get out of that comfort zone and take that first step. And the rest of the steps are up to them at that point. But it's the first step that's always the hardest. Yeah, I agree. Because lots of people, they I know I have a lot of friends who think I'm crazy <laughs> for traveling long term. And they're like, oh, my God, you must be the only person. And I'm like, no, actually, there's thousands of people who do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like you said, that, that push out of the door is really what, what a lot of people need. Um, and with your blogs, did you, you so you said, you, ha- you know, that's where you kind of started with the ideas. Did you have this voice that, uh, or this tone that you wanted to have, or is that kind of developed over time? Uh, that's really developed over time. Um, okay. I think it's 
I dare say more accidental because I didn't really start the blog with a specific goal in mind. It was just a hobby because um, uh-huh. it didn't need to be an income stream. It didn't need to be a, a primary focus. I didn't really realize yeah. that was a journey I'll be taking. Um, I didn't know how long I'll be traveling for. Um, mm-hmm. So I've taken a lot of the lessons that I've learned over the last seven years and I'm working at launching a new blog, um, which will be live very soon. And that's taking a lot of the lessons I've learned both from philosophy, but also from the content um, and better representing who I am and the kind of change I want to um, inspire in the world. Yeah. So it's going to be a broader range of topics extending beyond just travel to lifestyle, philosophy and things like that. And uh, yeah. I think that's going to be a better reflection on uh, not just myself, but uh, a more practical uh, tool for people who do really not just want to travel, but also play their part in shaping this world for the future. Do you have a time frame in which you're planning, um, like a when you know that's going to be ready, or this is your chance to plug? <laughs> I wanted to say three months ago, but um, I'm still focusing <laughs> some of the content because I'm trying to launch it without you know just one or two articles, but with dozens actually. So exactly, uh, yeah. Part of the, the uniqueness of it is I've, I've I've learned from what other people do and what my strengths are, and in order to make it really wow. Um, it's going to require a certain amount of content. And um, yeah, some of the pages are 4,000 words and longer. So that I'm really not holding back. It's going to be a lot of meat in there. It's still got a lot of room to grow, but at least when I, when I hit the ground running, I wanted to uh, show people that this is really the direction it should be heading um, without them having to visualize and pretend, you know, I can kind of picture where things are going. Um, yeah. So yeah, some of that content takes quite a while to produce. And also, I've been working on the structure of the site, building the code for for eighteen months. Um, oh, wow. It's going to be quite unique as far as a, a travel blog. I haven't come across anything that's in the same sort of scale. So, um, not trying to blow my own trumpet, but it's just my background in almost twenty years of web design. So, yeah, I mean, hey, I think blow it, blow it. You, I think that makes you kind of a unique blogger in the sense that you have the ability to go in and really dig into the back end code and everything and make it unique to you. Where you know, us, we're, we're on a WordPress site and doing stuff like that. It's just yeah. more basic. But you, um, you you having that ability definitely, I think, makes you stand out. I mean, your website is packed so full of stuff. But it's also just insanely easy to navigate. So great work. Oh, well, uh, whatever scale I would consider trouble with Bender would be like a 2 out of 10 on the scale of oh, wow. excellence. And what I'm aiming for is a 10 out of 10. Um, and uh, there are some sites out there that have elements of it. I picked up and you know from using the internet and traveling and researching and all the rest of that, gleaned what things are really important to me as a millennial, um, what things do I want to know about, and then um, looking at other websites, how they structure things, how they lay it out, and picking up bits and pieces of little breadcrumbs from around the place and putting it all together into a, a best of, um, as well as adding my own creativity to it. So I'm very excited about where it's heading. Um, I think it's going to set a new benchmark. Um, and I, I, I still love the web design element of it and the coding behind it. And so I create, I'm not using WordPress, of course, but um, yeah. I can push the boundaries of what's possible um, far more. So I'm, I'm really sort of pushing myself to not just produce the content, but the structure, the interface, the navigation, everything, the, the loading time I've Paying very, very close attention to all the small details, every single pixel on the page has to perfect. Every element has to, has to serve a purpose. 
And most importantly, out of everything, it has to be really intuitive and easy to use because let's be frank, traveling in general isn't the easiest thing to do. It's not like we're asking people to walk down to the local supermarket, buy a bottle of milk and come back. It's, yeah. uh, it requires planning, it requires hotels and tours and flights and you know, working out what to eat, where to eat, how to eat. Uh, how to treat people, what's the etiquette like, what's the background of the place like. And, yeah. um, You're trying to simplify that for yeah. people. Trying to digest yeah. it all into one very sort of slick um, package that people can absorb. Um, that looks good on a desktop, that looks good on a mobile, that's fast loading. And because of my passion for photography, I really want the, the visuals to shine through. And, um, and so I've taken extreme uh, steps to make sure that it gets that, but not sort of trading off slow loading speed and things like that so there's a lot of different factors behind the scenes that have been taken into consideration and i'm really quite excited by how it's all come together i'm already building building a team around us um to help create more of this kind of content so once the structure is in place we can really start to populate it uh, much quicker so um that's in in progress as we speak so yeah so everybody watch this space um keep an eye out for Josh's new website in the next few months or year, I would say. Keep an eye out, yeah. <laughs> I, think it, it, I think it's a feel that you keep trying, you keep, you're probably a perfectionist, you want to keep pushing this thing back. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's right before you launch it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, don't do it half Exactly. So, Josh, what, um, how do you decide to go where next? Like, how did you decide Bangkok? How are you going to choose the place after there? I had some travel plans initially uh, in Europe where I was before, um, but um, just due to personal circumstances, I've had to change those around. So at the moment, just in a holding pattern, um, waiting for some personal things to um, find resolution and um, and then keep on going from this point. There's some, some plans for later on this year and early next year, but um, because of the, the personal situations, I yeah. just have to um, sit tight until... Um, until I've got some some direction. It all works out. Yeah, I've got some plans. Yeah. Meet up with family members um, in Southeast Asia and show them around. So um, that should be fun. I always enjoy being a tour guide once in a while. Um, yeah, and that's the benefit being so close to us now, right? So yeah, absolutely. It's easier time zone differences and things like that. And uh, yeah. and next year we've got some loose plans, but haven't locked anything in yet. Uh, my my main focus has really been uh, on getting this website up and running. So in, until then, uh, and even when it is launched, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, I think over the next twelve months, the travel plans will be a lot lot slower. Um, I would prioritise in building that over to sightseeing, and because at the moment I've got more than enough content to fill it up with. It's just a case of getting enough time behind the computer every day to. To put that into play. Yeah, yeah. I was half expecting you to say you um you flip a coin because you've been <laughs> to so many countries now. <laughs> or like a map with a dart, you know. <laughs> See where you go. <laughs> um, what is the um you know, I think that there's a there's people that think about trying to go and do something like this. Maybe they're fed up with their nine to five or they're just out of school and looking to take some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting into the blog. And I'm curious, um, if you could know what some pros and cons are before you started doing it, what would you want to share with some people so that they can kind of have a heads oh, up a, on it? That's a very good question. Um, if I really thought long and hard about it, I wouldn't recommend someone starting a blog, not because I don't need any more competition, um, mainly because it's a whole lot of work 
uh, and dedication in order to do it well. And you've got to ask the question why you're going to do it. If it's just for a personal hobby, that's great. There's easy ways of doing it. If someone wants to turn it into a business, though, they're really, to be frank, there are easier ways to make money. It's not the easiest way by any measure. And that was the sort of struggle I came up with because I knew from the beginning when I sold my web design business, if I did do travel blogging, that it wasn't going to be a, you know, rolling around in a BMW sort of situation. I'd done the web design agency, uh, the business I'd run quite successfully, and that was, you know, financially very, uh, very well out of it. But to me, at that stage in life, I realized that material possessions isn't the source of happiness. It wasn't going to make anything happen. So I'd much rather spend my time doing something that makes me a better person as opposed to something that just chases the dollar. So I guess it depends mm-hmm. where uh, each person is in life, what, why they want to do something. Um, yeah. But if it's just ba- mainly a way to pay the bills and to get food on the table, there's really a lot of simpler, uh, less hassle, lower risk ways of doing that. Um, but if it's m- merely to you know, let family know that you're alive, to just as a way of self-exploration, as you know, a reflection tool that you can write down your feelings for the day and what you've seen, then great, yeah. I think um, that's a that's an ideal way of starting. Um, but to start, that's what I've found, it found since we've started this trip is it's been it's been a therapeutic thing just to like sit down and do some writing a couple of days a week. And whether or not it ever goes up on a website or not, it doesn't really. That's in the back of my mind, and I think that's something of mm-hmm. um, substance for people is that it, you, you can just do it, and it doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to go anywhere. Um, I just have found for me, it's just been something that I get done with it and I just kind of almost feel this cleanse afterwards. I really like that. Yeah, exactly right. That's a good way of approaching it. I think the danger is that there's enough um, advertisements out there, especially on Instagram, Facebook, uh, banner ads that claim that you can become a, you know amazing traveler and it's all free and you get paid to travel the world and, and selling the, the gloss of it. But the reality of it is it's really darn hard work. Um, there's a, certainly a number of drawbacks. It's not all glamorous. But the intention is basically to keep funding travel. And, and to be honest, if someone really wanted to just pay for travel, it's much easier to do it other ways rather than asking for free hotel stays and for free air, airplane flights and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen that a common theme uh, amongst digital nomads anywhere in the world, um, particularly in Southeast Asia, is that they kind of like traveling they get a hook they get hooked on it and then they start to think well how can i keep on going and not have to go back to where i came from and then they start mm-hmm. to think well maybe i can make money doing this this and they might try 10 different things uh half of them get burnt out and realize that that didn't really work out but i think there are a lot of uh, really useful resources online a lot of great communities that can help um so i would suggest someone who wants to do it longer term um if they want to make a not necessarily a career out of it a lifestyle change that they look at what their skills are, what they're gifted at, what they enjoy doing, and and then try to bring those things together in a way that is location independent. So if someone is an expert in, pick on tax because you, you, you like that one, um, then they, they can be a tax consultant and have their clients all over the world and they talk to them on Skype and um, and can do their work you know, by email, things like that. Um, it could be not necessarily running their own business, it could be working for someone else. And I know people like that who are programmers and they travel but they have a boss somewhere else in the world and they answer to them. So um, there isn't really one sort of magic way of doing it. Um, I've, I've come across people who are chefs and they travel around working in restaurants and then move on to the next place. Um, there's really, you know, people te- teaching English. There's no, there's no limit of uh, how creative you can get. 
Um, mm-hmm. The question is if you've got that determination and you're willing to learn and you're willing to try things and if it doesn't work out, try something else. Um, but, yeah, don't be deterred. Yeah, that's it. And and learn from other people, but you kind of got to pick your thing and then go with it. Trying to become everything, uh, become an expert in everything is not going to work. So just find out what you're really passionate in and then stick to that and make it happen. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Yeah, what are, um, um, you know, just kind of as you've been growing this, is it a, um, did you find that because you were kind of on the forefront of it that your following came more quickly or did, was that something that you were patient? Did you, did you do marketing, things like that? I'm just curious in the terms of a, more of the business sense of it, if you came from that background or did you just start putting stuff out there and, and it just kind of clicked with people and it just kind of grew that way? Yeah, the first two uh, years was very much just very organic. Um, after about six months of running it, I ran a Facebook ads campaign that was fairly successful. And that was the, um, I guess, the starting point of growing an audience. So. Yeah, back then it was it was much much easier running an ad, ad campaign, much cheaper as well um, yeah. compared to now. But uh, it's basically I was willing to put my money on the line before I even made a dollar out of it. So it's the people like that who are willing to take a risk um, that tend to do better. Um, it's absolutely impossible to do it organically for sure, but mm-hmm. you kind of have to pick a, um, an avenue, uh, an outlet that you specialize in because trying to do everything perfectly is just a recipe for burnout trying to be the world's best instagrammer facebook expert pinterest expert youtube video creating videos writing the web design the graphic design everything it's very hard to do (laughs) all those things really really well i've got the advantage i have no time to travel (laughs) exactly i've got the advantage of um having a lot of industry experience in web design and graphic design uh so that's uh that's something where i sort of work to my strengths but over time i've been teaching myself photography and become pretty proficient at it so that's my passion and i would try to bring that to it um i don't try to become the world's best youtuber or videographer or video editor um there's, there's only so many hours in the day and at the end of the day the whole point of traveling is not just to purely create content it's because i actually want to enjoy it too so if i yeah, the entire day going out just recording stuff and looking at where the next best shot was then it completely defeats the purpose of travel to me. Um, not that saying it yeah. doesn't need to make videos, but um, it's just about choosing, you know, where what you want to specialize in. If someone wants to be the world's best Instagram, do that and do it to the hill. If someone yeah, because it's all about balance, right? Like anything in there. There are some people who are wonderful, wonderful writers. They're so compelling. You read their written work, and then <clears throat> if you hear them speak in front of a camera, it's like looking at a dead fish. Um, so they should play to their strength. Other people are great in front of a camera. They got the personality. Excuse me. They got the uh, the voice. They've got the expression. Um, so you know, play to the strengths and be a great videographer, and don't beat yourself over the head that you can't write very well. So yeah, yeah, I'd say that's understandable. So for any of, for any of those fans that are, uh, are waiting anxiously for a Josh Bender vlog on YouTube, do not hold your breath. <laughs> do not hold your breath. <laughs> Um, the closest thing will be an Instagram video of me kind of walking through a, a cruise cabin on, on a celebrity cruise ship. But, um, there you go. It works. It works. <laughs> personally, I'm a lot more fun, but I'm not going to try to put on a performance in front of a, a camera. It's just, it's not me. And I'd rather be authentic and genuine than uh, a fake kind of veneer of what I think people want me to be. 
I agree. Um, so with all of these followings, because you have got a, obviously you've been going so long, you've got such a big following. Um, have, has anyone ever recognized you out and about? Yeah, a couple of times actually. Have they? What's that like? In Penang. Um, just watching a, a Chinese street festival and someone ran up and recognized. Um, were they starstruck? <laughs> I, was on a, <laughs> I was on a train in Poland and uh, someone asked me if uh, I was such and such and I said, yeah, I am. Uh, another time I was in a water park in um, Kentucky in America and um, someone says, hey, I know who you are. I, I follow you on Instagram and I send you pictures and I've read your blog. And I was like, oh, that's really great. And, yeah. yeah, that's and pretty cool. Someone recognizing me, I stop and take a photo with them so make them feel uh, special and, and hopefully I put a little bit of positivity into their life. And, yeah, it's yeah. kind of fun doing that. I don't do it for that reason. I don't go seeking attention. Um, but no. if I'm helping people, that's great. Yeah, and it's pretty, it's pretty cool anyway just to know that, you know, the, art, the people, they are watching and reading and they are, they are they have an audience. <laughs> it's nice, but, but it is nice. No doubt about it. Otherwise, um, Google, otherwise Google Analytics is telling me a, a big porcupine, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Exactly. Religious. <laughs> exactly. It's all your mum at home doing it over and over and over again. <laughs> Thanks, mum. <laughs> um, so, um, what's my next question? I have a lot of places where I have like it's like second home. My heart is still there. Do you have any second, third, fourth, fifth, sixty homes <laughs> that you have like your heart is still there? Oh, yeah, I would say so for sure. The easiest answer to that would be Bali. Um, I've been there quite a few times. Yeah. <clears throat> it's quite common for a lot of Australians, I guess. It's, it's not the most unusual place in the world, but I feel definitely a sense, not of just familiarity, but of connectedness to the culture, to the people. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I go out making small offerings every day in bamboo baskets, but it's more so the way they see the world. I've probably met more Balinese that I get, like, you know, when you get someone, then I have it in yeah. Australia. Australians are like very different. I, I guess you could say I've, I've felt like an outsider most of my life um, around Pegan and Square Hole or vice versa, whichever way it goes. And yeah. I don't mesh more with the Balinese way of thinking. Um, I, just recently on the cruise ship, for example, uh, there were some Balinese um, staff, a crew working on, on board, and I was chatting to them and practice very few words in Balinese and in Bahasa that I, I can say, and they were very wrapped about that. And one of them pointed out and looked at the, the bracelet, the string bracelet I was wearing on my wrist and asked, you know, how come I was wearing that? Because that's uh, more of a common ritual to do for Balinese. And I explained to them how I got it and and, uh, and that I felt very connected to Bali. I, I, I kind of joke, but it's, it's true that I'm half Balinese inside. Um, very yeah. unusual because they're tall and they're also short. But that, that aside, <laughs> I... Definitely feel more at home there than most other places. And it doesn't certainly hurt that they're much kinder, they're much more loving people on the whole. Um, they're very much, warm, aren't they? Very, yeah, yeah. Very open, very warm, yeah. And I appreciate that. And, and they tend to be much more mindful of their environment, their nature around them. Um, that it's less about them and the ego than it is about their community. Their community is far more important, their family is far more important. So, um, you know, those sort of things really mesh well for, for me, yeah, as opposed to a common way of thinking in Australia and America and Britain is it's, it's all about consumerism and me and making sure I'm comfortable. Yeah. And, and that just sort of rubs me the wrong way. So, um, 
um, yeah, I, I kind of like Bali. The other place, Thailand, is is, is um, very comfortable. Malaysia is definitely a favourite spot of mine. Um, it's a very easy sort of country to stay in, uh, both language and visa-wise, it's easy to stay three months at a time. Um, I, I guess there's also different pockets of America I've, I've felt um, at home as well. It's like 50 different countries in one. Um, that would probably be it. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I was just in Bali for the first time at the beginning of this trip, and it was I'd heard, obviously, so much about it, and I'd spent a decent amount of time in Southeast Asia, but it was really unique. I do agree that there's definitely a community base there, and um, I just really felt that the um, that our, our trip down to Lombok, I think, was what really impressed me. I just found that island to be amazing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a question in kind of regards to traveling in some of these um, some of these countries, because I think we've been to some similar spots all over South and Central America and, and places like that. But you're you're a tall guy, <laughs> and some sometimes some of those buses and vans and things that you get in, me being an average height, they're tough. How do you deal with that, or do you try and prepare for that and just say, "I just can't do this, guys"? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't tap out. I, I probably should say something like, "I do yoga and I stretch to make me more limber." But no, I don't. I don't think there's really a magic. <laughs> Magic formula other than just holding your breath and crossing your fingers and praying that you get out the same way that you get in. Um, it's certainly been some tight squeezes. Flying is definitely one of those um, scenarios. Uh, there's one particular flight I took, I think it was AirAsia. Um, fortunately, it was only about three hours. And I recall very vividly because I thought the leg room is either getting really smaller or my, my legs are getting bigger. And I'm pretty sure my legs aren't getting bigger. And when I measured it with my hand, the gap from the base of the seat to the seat in front, the back of the seat in front, was less than my hand sideways. It's all that there was of legroom. Um, and I was just lucky I had two spare seats next to me, so I just stretched out my legs sideways. That's just the price of going um, funny. If I wanted to pay more and get more legroom than I would, but I'm, I'm stingy. So I guess, I guess not. No, I'm not stingy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, no. I'm thrifty. I'd rather spend my money on things that actually matter rather than three hours of comfort. Uh, but yeah, chicken buses, been on those, been in a little van in Guatemala that I never thought I'd see the light of day again, getting squished into the back of that. Um, so yeah, certainly some interesting tales, but um, I wouldn't say it's ever really uh, waking up in the middle of the night, you know, in a, in a cold sweat worrying about how I'm going to fit into something. Uh, nah. Yeah, nothing that's deterred you from uh, continuing on. And, and I agree with that. I mean, there's just some times that it's a tight fit and it's just a mental battle of, you know what? I'm gonna have to be in this for the next two or three hours. Yeah. Um, but I, I know I can do that. I'm not gonna die. And and the reality is, there's always something much worse. Like I could be stuck in a cubicle working a nine to five job for five hours, five days a week. And to me, that would be much more hell than three hours of a squishy plane that gets me to somewhere that's really beautiful and amazing. So um, there's yeah. always there's always another way of looking at it for sure. I imagine it's nothing compared to uh, some of the battles that you've had traveling around with some youngins here and there. <laughs> yeah. But traveling with kids. Tell us about it. <laughs> so it definitely presents a whole new set of challenges, but um, it, uh, I guess anyone who's a parent would, would understand just surviving with children is a, uh, a bit of a drama. But uh, you get people you see, and particularly more and more nowadays on social media, where you, they look like the perfect parent, and you kind of feel a bit jealous that you, you don't quite look that way. 
But it's just like anything else on social media. There's a very glossy veneer, and what actually happens behind the scenes can be can be quite different. So. Um, yeah, yeah. It must be amazing for the kids. Anyway, I met a couple of families in Southeast Asia, and one thing I noticed was that these kids—they were so confident, and that is so amazing to be so socially uh, experienced. You know, these kids could just come up to you and start up a cool, uh, intelligent conversation, and they weren't shy. And it, it was really, really nice to see. Mm. Yeah, I think travel is good. Yeah. It's one of the best educations they can get. Um, yeah. Like you can learn on the road that can't be learned in a classroom by any means, and and the lessons that are learned tend to stick a lot more than um, something that's abstract or something that they can't relate to, or you know, it's all theory. When it becomes practice and practical, then it really sticks a lot better in mind. Yeah, and um, over the years, I've noticed with myself as well. Has your style of travelling changed? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. do you go for something more comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if comfort's the right word, but speed-wise, I definitely slow down. Um, I want to take in the location a lot more. It's not about ticking off a checkbox on, on a list. Uh, it's more about the meaningfulness of it. It's like I'm not going to impress anyone by going to X number of countries in X number of years. It's not a, a race. And that, you know, If you'd asked me seven years ago, I might have started thinking that way because I was a very different way of thinking back then. But um, now it's all about enjoying the everyday. And if the day the day to day is not enjoyable, then what the heck am I doing it all for? I could just exactly. you know, have, have an easy nine to five job, get paid much better, and uh, just be very convenient, comfortable, and and mediocre and average. Um, yeah. But then that would <laughs> that would be a big big trade off for me as well. So yeah, I, I think there's definitely a, a sweet spot for everyone. Um, not, there's not one right right size fits all sort of solution but I was, exactly i think so now i think after some time you kind of experience what like you said like maybe five years ago seven years ago you're like okay like let's go do this i want to go i'm more interested in going out and drinking and socializing whereas i think as well like i i noticed that i like meeting locals more and i like to i like to see what it's like to live somewhere as opposed to visit yeah, exactly right. And that's one of my goals is always to hang out where the locals hang out, eat what they eat, um, you know, experience their life. And then really that's the way to get to learn everything I want to about them. If I'm just going there, seeing one of their pretty sights and then out for the same day, it's not, it's not immersive. It's not getting into their culture. It's not really gleaning anything other than well, that yeah. been, then moving on. Um, so, yeah, I try to do that. It's, it's obviously just depends on on the trip and where it's going, how long can actually spend in each place. But I, I prefer where possible to make it as a decent amount of time. So um, otherwise, again, it just comes back to a combination of why am I doing it? And then doing it too fast is going to be a recipe for burnout and disaster. So then that's really exactly. helping one either. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that. you know, I think that that's, um, that's kind of just true as you get a little bit older. My traveling 17 years ago through Southeast Asia when I was 20 is much different than it is on this trip with Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> We're very similar, aren't we? <laughs> but um, fortunately, she's aged gracefully as a uh, as a someone who's a decade younger than me and is willing to deal with some of my old man ways. <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of. Just let you know that we really appreciate the time. We always try and wrap things up with any guest with some rapid fire questions. So, um, 
Take your time to answer them. Post-editing is an amazing thing. We'll make it as fast as we fucking can. Clear your mind of Zen, because we have some right. quick Woosa. questions. Woosa. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready? What's the weirdest street food you've ever eaten? Easy. That was in Thailand, Bangkok. That was a, a fried grasshopper. A fried grasshopper. How was that? Like crap. It was like eating a stick, oh. except it made me want to yuck afterwards. <laughs> did you yuck? No, I didn't. I kept it down. I did that on video. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Good work. Strong like us. We got a, uh, I think that's like a, a state fair staple at every state fair around the United States is the really? old chocolate-covered grasshopper. Yeah, oh, kidding. But at least makes it easier. This is just like you see its face when, you, when it's going down your throat. That's, uh, oh, oh, really? No. <laughs> his eyes are still oh, no. looking at you like, why? <laughs> if I can add, sorry for slowing it down. Since that point, I've become a vegan, so I don't eat grasshoppers anymore. So I'm very... Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? For a low-income person, that's all right. You know, go to the garden, get up some insects, you get dinner. Yeah. Good point. Ready to go. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite questions to ask people because it kind of gives you an idea of what your mindset is today because it can change day to day. But not thinking about the business, not thinking about the website or anything like that. If you could go anywhere right this moment, where would that be? Um, I would be with my wife. She's traveling in Australia at the moment um, on, for health reasons, and so I'd be by her side giving her support and encouragement. Aww, We'd love to hear that. Beautiful. And best of luck to your wife with everything that's going on. Um, yeah. Okay, next one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Mountains or beaches? Beaches. Yeah, good answer. I'm a beaches. God, I battle with that one. Corey's a mountains and I'm a beaches. I've been living <laughs> in Denver for like the last five years and just my, my winters, my snowboard are just two of my amazing things in my life. And I, I just struggle with that one. You can't be snowboarding on the beach, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. You, know, you can surf. You like to surf. Um, <laughs> And the last one here, and this is kind of geared towards your your photography, which, which made us kind of think of this: deserts or lakes? Oh, ooh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. now you're really making me think. Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick one, I would say deserts. When I'm got in my mind, places like Utah, southern Utah, northern Arizona. Yeah, the beautiful colors. The just the the, the, the shape of the the silhouettes. The the, the solitariness, it's, yeah, I have to go with the desert. I'm sorry. There's just something so foreboding about a desert, though, isn't there? I, I'm from England. We don't have deserts. And like, when I went to Utah and Arizona, wow, yeah. it was amazing. Absolutely. And there's places there where you just feel so remote, so in touch with nature that you realize how little this world needs us and that we're just this, you know, little speck of insignificance. And it really helps to sort of keep things in perspective. Yeah. Anything you can do. I mean, the, the, the thing with those questions, desert, mountain, ocean, is these are things on this planet that, that humble us and bring us to, a, you know, bring us to realize, like what you just said, our insignificance. And in a desert, you're like, that bottle of water better last me and this car better not break down. <laughs> when you're in the ocean, you're sitting there and you're like, I can surf a little bit, but I should not be in that wave. And then when you're on a mountainside, you're like, oh, if I go over that cliff, that's it. So I better not slip. So there's just these moments. And I think traveling and getting out really brings you into these moments more often and makes you kind of what you said to get you started in this and changing that perspective of let's just 
have, how can this, when I go back home after this week-long trip or month-long or year-long, whatever it is, how can I take these experiences that I've had and make them relate to me and make me a better contributor to this planet overall? For sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great way of looking at it. I really can see there's a lot of similarities in our way of seeing the world. Mm. Absolutely. Well, Josh, we thank you so much for your time. Um, I know it's been a long time coming, and we've we've been circling back and forth with you, but um, I think it's nice. great to talk to you and get to learn more, and, and hopefully the people that, that listen to this on our end, and if you put it out to the people on your end, they can get a better idea of who's the man behind the blog. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, currently, and I really appreciate the time. Brilliant. Um, did you want to... Uh, drop in some of your information so our listeners do know where to find you right now we will put it in our show notes absolutely um, you can find yeah. the blog at com. bender as in the Futurama bender um, the <laughs> Instagram is the same travelwithbender and if you're on Twitter it's travelwithbender no H in it because in, uh, because Twitter is just one character too many and I couldn't put <laughs> my name I'm sorry I couldn't be Bendy so I'm travelwithbender and travelwithbender <laughs> on Pinterest as well uh, but the best place to go is the blog, travelwithbender.com. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Josh. My pleasure. Thank you, man. Thank you, Corey. Thank you very much, Mr. Bender, for your time and generosity with this interview. We thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you, and we hope that your and our audience did as well. You can check out all of Josh's information in our show notes. Be sure to be on the lookout for the new website he has coming. It sounds amazing. And of course, keep following us, Instagram at Small Worlds Podcast, www.smallworldspodcast.com for your latest blog updates and anything else related to our travels and this podcast. And have yourselves a lovely day. Bye.